the wall is very, very uh, on its way. It's happening as we speak. Oh, well, if it's very, very on its way, what can we do? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA and in Byron's. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountain on KKRN and. KGOE in Eureka. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids WPRR, New Orleans WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, KODX in Seattle, KVGD in Goldendale, Washington, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on some very fine internet affiliates, including the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. And all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Yes, the wall, as you heard uh, Donald Trump say there, is very, very... On its way today, we will talk about that in uh, in a little bit. A lot to talk about there. Uh, but as usual, there's a lot going on today as we seem to be constantly playing catch up at this point, uh, including the U.S. House voting to end the uh, U.S. participation in the conflict in Yemen, the uh, surprise resignation of the FEMA administrator, William Brock Long, so a lot going on today. We'll see how much of it we can get to. But let's uh, let's start here for now, since uh, for some reason this story did not get a whole lot of attention over the past day. Dozens of members of the Arkansas-based New Aryan Empire, a meth-peddling white supremacist gang, were charged in an indictment unsealed on Tuesday, according to the Justice Department. The charges follow gun and drug-related charges against 44 people. In 2017, some of those defendants, as well as new ones, now face additional charges involving attempted murder, kidnapping, maiming, and conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine, according to the DOJ press release. Well, it's weird how all those white Americans were able to evade Customs and Border Protection to slip into this country and, wait, what? That doesn't... Uh, that they, doesn't comport with no, what Donald Trump has been telling I, me. I was confused. I, I thought it must have been MS-13. They're the dangerous, drug-running, violent gang that we all have to worry about, right? Oh, wait, what? MS-13 is also 
created here in the U.S.? Who knew? You wouldn't know it if you listened to Donald Trump. Isn't that weird, Desi Doyne? Oh, it's so weird. Very confusing. Central to the uh, indictment announced on Tuesday is several new Aryan Empire members uh, alleged attempts to murder an informant in retaliation for the informant providing information to law enforcement uh, relating to uh, one of the gang members' involvement in the sale and distribution of meth. Separately, gang members allegedly kidnapped, stabbed, and maimed two people who supposedly provided information to law enforcement. The informant was permanently disfigured and maimed by a heated knife on his face, as both he and another law enforcement source are also described in the indictment as having gone through beatings, stabbings, and threats of murder due to their cooperation with police. During a coordinated investigation, uh, the DOJ alleged law enforcement officials seized more than 25 pounds of meth as well as 69 firearms and more than $70,000 in drug proceeds. The gang has approximately 5,000 members. Again, just a reminder, if you're tuning in, these are white, American-born, Arkansas-based New Aryan Empire gang members, 5,000 of them, uh, apparently, at a press conference uh, on Tuesday. The ATF acting resident agent uh, in charge said that the indictments had effectively dismantled the group. However, when a reporter asked, what about everyone else, referring to the 5,000 in the gang's membership, U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Arkansas responded, anytime you have an investigation like this, it can continue to expand out. So we consider it an ongoing investigation. Well, I should say so. Uh, 44 charges against uh, that's a lot of people in this gang, but it's a gang of apparently 5000. So effectively dismantled. I don't know about that. Anyway, I wanted to mention that because it got so little coverage, frankly, Compared to what I suspect we would have heard had this exact same story related to 44 MS-13 gang members that Trump could then, you know, pretend we're here illegally and we would hear about that no end in his rally speeches. But speaking of which, while Trump was down in El Paso giving a uh, rally speech and lying to his supporters uh, about the border wall on the southern border being almost finished, it was indeed getting underway on the banks of the Rio Grande down in South Texas. Uh, at least heavy machinery uh, was moving onto private property, including the National Butterfly Center, a 100-acre refuge in the Rio Grande Valley where Customs and Border Protection have now brought heavy equipment onto the uh, onto the property and at least according to these reports, changed locks on the gates of the National Butterfly Center in what the senator's, uh, senator's director describes as a massive overreach by the Trump administration's federal government down there. That director will join us momentarily as the group has now filed for a restraining order in federal court as the bulldozers roll in. That after Congress approved 33 miles of new wall in the Rio Grande Valley last year. That as a deal was cut to allow Trump to build 55 more miles of fencing. He hasn't even built the first 33, but now he's 
Uh, looks like he's going to get permission to build 55 more miles of fencing in order to avoid yet another government shutdown this weekend if Donald Trump signs that uh, that agreement between Republicans and Democrats. While the uh, $1.4 billion allocated in that agreement is less money for less wall than Trump could have had in a deal that was struck last year that he rejected in order to close the federal government for 35 days while he was demanding $5.7 billion for 200 miles of wall. It's looking more and more like Trump will now take this worse deal this uh, this time uh, because after calling it a garbage compromise on Monday night, the real president of the United States, Sean Hannity, softened his position on Tuesday about this agreement, appearing to give permission to Trump to take the deal. Yes, that is now where we are. Fox News and right-wing radio host Sean Hannity softened his stance on the uh, on the border compromise bill on Tuesday night, saying that he's, quote, not as concerned as some other conservatives if the president signs this bill. Hannity still wants Trump to declare a national emergency at a later date to get even more money for the wall. And uh, Hannity says that he doesn't like the legislation. He said, quote, the president has every right to be angry. The so-called compromise is typical of the D.C. sewer and swamp. And this level of funding for security and safety of the American people is pathetic. Uh, his words are noticeably uh, softened since his position on Monday night when he called the deal a garbage compromise and threatened any Republican who would support such a garbage compromise. Uh, but really, this level of funding for security and safety of the American people is pathetic. The so-called compromise legislation allocates $23 billion to border security. That's pathetic, $23 billion. Mind you, that's separate from all of the other uh, money supposedly for the security and safety of the American people. It goes to the to the U.S. military. So $23 billion uh, to border security, that's pathetic? Well, apparently Donald Trump doesn't think so. He, uh, he was tweeting... On Tuesday evening, as he was trying to justify taking this worse deal than he could have had had he only signed on to last year's deal, uh, he suggested in his tweets that uh, he may support this bipartisan spending deal after all, even though it only includes a portion of the billions that he wanted for his border wall after the last time Sean Hannity and Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh started haranguing him about it. Trump touted the deal's allotment of $23 billion for border security, and he thanked Republicans for, quote, dealing with the radical left. The radical left, Desi Doyen. <laughs> I guess that's uh, who Democrats now are. Radical, radical left that only gave him $23 billion for border security. $23 billion of U.S. taxpayer money instead of the billions that Mexico was supposed to pay oh, that yeah. he promised that Mexico would pay for the wall. I do have two quick questions. Yeah, yeah, One is Hannity suddenly softening his position there, you know, out of nowhere, apparently. I wonder who is pulling Hannity's strings and told him, hey, back off, we want this. Well, 
Hannity is a tool. Right, I, I he's mean, somebody's he's, tool. Yeah, he's a, he's a tool, and he's uh, in in more ways than one. And he knows that Mitch McConnell was saying, "Yes, I like this deal. We are going to move it forward in the U.S. Senate," which means that uh, he's he's got no choice. Well, which means that Donald Trump has no choice. And if Sean Hannity continued to uh, harangue him about taking this deal then that would make Donald Trump look bad. And Sean Hannity doesn't want to make Donald Trump look bad. Now, Ann Coulter, she actually doesn't much care whether she makes Donald Trump look bad or not, it seems. But Hannity is a different matter. He's his friend. He he he, he speaks with him in bed every night. <laughs> Sorry, but yes, you're right. They do. Right? They do. <laughs> That's reportedly they do. Now, Sean is not in the bed with they just Mr. Talk Trump. Over. No, they you talk hang on up the phone. first. No, you hang up first. <laughs> exactly. No, you hang up. Have you hung up yet? So, uh, yeah, anyway, this radical left, you know, who gave $23 billion for this, these are the same folks that Donald Trump has been saying are in favor of open borders. Well, they just uh, agreed to $23 billion. Uh, so if they're in favor of uh, open borders, these Democrats on the radical left sure do have a funny way of showing it. Anyway, the uh, tweets from, from Trump suggest that uh, he will now be signing this plan, even though he said he was very, very not happy with it originally. CNN now reports that Trump uh, will accept this compromise in order to avoid a second shutdown and then use executive action to launch wall construction projects. What exactly that means, what exactly executive action would be, we're all waiting on pins and needles to find out, I guess, a uh, likely declaration of national emergency is what most people believe it to mean. But Republicans are not happy about that. It's going to be a challenged in the courts and uh, b opposed by a number of Republicans who think this lets the door open for future Democratic presidents. If one ever occurs. Uh, to do the same thing, to just, you know, whenever they can't get the money for their pet project, just declare a national emergency. I mean, uh, Barack Obama could have said, hey, we've got uh, tens of thousands of people dying a year because they don't have health care. I'll just declare a national emergency to stop Americans from dying to give health care to everyone who doesn't have health insurance. Yeah, he exactly. could have done that. Exactly. And as Republicans have repeatedly said over the last few weeks, any future Democratic president, again, if there is to be one, could also <laughs> declare climate change a national emergency, which it is. An actual emergency. An actual emergency. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, use the levers of the government to force us to take action to, you know, save our economy and our food supply you know, and all that stuff. The, the more we're talking about this, the more I like the idea of uh, letting should, Trump uh, going uh, ahead and set a national emergency. Sure. Why Do not? It. I mean, a national emergency to stop people from dying because they don't have health care, that would arguably be a national emergency. That would arguably be protecting the American people. And yes, the same with climate change to keep people from dying. Don't believe me? Just ask the uh, FEMA administrator who just resigned today how his uh, last two years went. Anyway, $23 billion, that is a lot of money. So to hear Hannity, who used to complain that government spent too much money, remember that? That was darling. To hear him now complaining about $23 billion not being enough, that's kind of laughable. But hopefully everyone 
by now appreciates what a uh, hypocrite Sean Hannity is and understands by now that Republicans are not so-called fiscal conservatives. They're not conservatives, frankly, of any type. Uh, but they're certainly not fiscal conservatives by any stretch of the imagination, and I wish the goddamn corporate media would stop referring to them as such. Uh, do you disagree with that? Do you want to tell me that, yes, in fact, they are conservatives, fiscal conservatives? Well, then there's this additional evidence for you today, a milestone for the Sean Hannity, Fox News, Donald Trump, Republican so-called conservative crowd that have had full control of the federal government over the past two years until Democrats finally regained a majority in the U.S. House a few weeks ago. But apparently uh, there's there's plenty of money, plenty of money right now to, to keep spending on on border walls that nobody actually who lives on the border actually wants. Uh, we'll talk about that next as the bulldozers are now moving in uh, in South Texas to begin walling off the Rio Grande from from the people and the animals that live there. But we'll get to that in a moment. According to a statement uh, from the U.S. Treasury Department, the national debt has now passed a new milestone, topping twenty two trillion dollars for the first time. So uh, the Treasury Department uh, on uh, on Tuesday said that outstanding public debt now stands at twenty two point oh one trillion dollars. It stood at nineteen point nine five trillion dollars when Trump took office back in January of twenty seventeen. So thanks to uh, Trump and his Republicans, the debt under their leadership, has now ballooned by more than $2 trillion in the last two years. There's your fiscal conservatism for you. And I remember, man, I remember how outraged Republicans were back after uh, Donald Trump took office that uh, he had ballooned the deficit, I'm sorry, the debt at the time, by $1 trillion over a couple of years, over two years. They were furious about that. And, of course, he was doing it in the midst of the worst recession the country and the globe has had seen since the Great Depression. You said Trump, but you meant Obama. Oh, is that what I said? Yes. Back in, in 2008. Yeah, right. it was it was Obama. And yes, he did balloon the deficit with these special programs, the stimulus, in order to try to save and or kickstart the economy at and, that point. And, and save the global economy, right. which the U.S. is the foundation for. So what's uh, Trump's excuse for $2 trillion in the last two years? The uh, debt has been accelerating since the passage of Trump's one and a half trillion dollar tax cut back in December 2017. The debt uh, to, to help you keep it separate from the, the annual deficit, the national debt is essentially the total of the annual budget deficits. Add it together. That's how you come to the debt. Add in interests on it and so forth from the money we've had to borrow. The Congressional Budget Office project projects that this year's deficit will be $897 billion. That is a 15% increase over last year's imbalance of $780 billion. In the coming years, the CBO forecasts and the deficit that the deficit will keep rising and will top $1 trillion annually 
as a regular matter of course beginning in 2022. Now, the Trump administration contends that their $1.5 trillion in tax cuts will at some point, somehow, in some way, eventually pay for themselves by generating faster economic growth or something, even though there appears to be no actual evidence of that, according to economists anyway. Uh, some budget experts warn that uh, ever-rising federal debt will pose a substantial risk for the government because, in fact, it would make it harder to respond to a financial crisis with tax cuts or spending increases. So isn't that convenient? When the next Republican recession hits, we won't be able to uh, lower tax rates to stimulate the economy because... Uh, unlike most such cuts in the past, this president and this Congress, or at least the last Republican one, they cut taxes when the economy was soaring along. So there's pretty much nothing more to cut right. at there, this point. <clears throat> there are no more tools in the toolbox for the next recession that is inevitable. And, of course, any spending increases, whether it's under a recession or just once Democrats come back into power— you know, for things like education or health care or to combat the worsening climate crisis. Well, we'll be told at that point by Republicans and, yes, Sean Hannity, that we just can't afford that kind of government spending. Since, you know, we have such a huge national debt and all. And, of course, they'll blame it on Democrats, even though the debt and the deficit uh, shrinks under Democratic presidents and balloons under Republican ones uh, like clockwork. But as I said, uh, for now, apparently there's there's plenty of money and we can keep uh, spending it on border walls and we can keep spending it to bulldoze national wildlife refuges. We can wall off the country from the from the Rio Grande itself. Uh, because you know what? We can afford it. We don't care. We have to do it. It's a national emergency. We've got to keep the country safe. The country, the people, the animals, and even the butterflies. That story is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Kidding. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. On Monday night, Donald Trump appeared at a campaign rally in El Paso, Texas to lie about and further his demand for a border wall on the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas. I am very, very thrilled to be here in the great 
state of Texas. Right on the banks of the legendary Rio Grande, where, by the way, I don't know, you heard, right? Today, we started a big, beautiful wall right on the Rio Grande. Right smack on the Rio Grande. That was Donald Trump on Monday telling supporters that wall construction, big, beautiful wall construction, had begun in Texas. In fact, he told them, it was almost finished, asking them to uh, change change their chant from build that wall to finish the wall. Many Democrats have made light of Trump's claims that he is already building his wall. But in fact, last year, Congress allocated funds for 33 miles of new border barriers in the area. And as we've been reporting on this program, many folks who live in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas have been alarmed by notification from the federal government that, yes, preparations are, in fact, underway to build Trump's wall. On Monday this week, the nonprofit National Butterfly Center in Mission, Texas, asked a federal judge to stop border wall activity on its property, on its private property, as the Trump administration gears up to begin construction in South Texas and may soon win funding for even more. In a motion filed this week, Center Director Mariana Trevino Wright says heavy machinery has been driving through their property for the past week, including a road grader accompanied by a U.S. Customs and Border Protection vehicle. Wright alleged that someone had cut the lock on a gate at the center and replaced it with a lock belonging to CBP. CBP has announced it will start this month on the first of 33 miles of new walls and fences in South Texas's Rio Grande Valley. Congress funded this particular construction last year. Yes, Democrats and Republicans alike already agreed to 33 miles of new fencing and or walls, whatever you want to call it, last year. And it's about to take place on the private property of landowners along the banks of the Rio Grande, including on the private property of many who have lived on the banks of the river for generations, as well as the property of the Lalomita Mission, uh, which the town of Mission is named for. That's a 150-year-old historic site that still operates as a chapel run by the local Catholic diocese which opposes the construction of the border wall as immoral, counter to church teachings, and a violation of religious freedom, which the Trump administration has long pretended to support, at least when convenient to their political agenda. We recently discussed some of the local opposition in the Rio Grande Valley to the wall's construction on the broadcast with Ricky Garza of the Texas Civil Rights Project, that's a nonprofit foundation which is helping landowners in the uh, in the area understand their rights as the federal government has notified residents of plans to survey property and begin the process of eminent domain to confiscate land in order to build Donald Trump's border wall. Towards that end, the bulldozers are now moving in to places like the National Butterfly Center, which also opposes construction of what its director describes as a racist wall on their 100-acre property, which serves as a wildlife center, sanctuary, and native species botanical garden, supporting many species of butterflies and other wildlife on the Rio Grande. 
But as Trump has been out lying about what a border wall would or wouldn't mean for those who live on the U.S. southern border, where he says there is an ongoing humanitarian and violent criminal crisis that can only be solved with a wall and or a presidential declaration of a national emergency in order to build one, heavy construction equipment has already begun to appear as of last week in the valley, the southernmost region of Texas amidst strong opposition from many residents. U.S. Customs and Border Control has said it will start wall construction on federally owned land first, likely on property that's part of the lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge, before it would then most likely cut through the Butterfly Center, a state park, and the century-old La Lomita Mission Chapel on the bank of the river that forms the Texas-Mexico border. The Butterfly Center and its governing body, the North American Butterfly Association, asked in their federal court motion to ban government agents from, quote, taking any action on center property in furtherance of the construction of a border wall. National Butterfly Center Director Mariana Trevino-Wright said in a recent statement announcing the latest motion in their lawsuit, quote, we will not stand idly by as the bulldozers roll in. Not standing idly by and joining us now is Mariana Trevino-Wright, director of the National Butterfly Center. Mariana, thank you so much for joining us today on the broadcast. Thank you, Brad, for calling. I, uh, I want to talk about, uh, frankly, the importance of the National Butterfly Center, what you guys do, uh, why this wall or fence or whatever we want to call it uh, is opposed by the center. But I want to confirm uh, a point in that AP story. The Texas Observer notes it as well uh, from your recently filed complaint. The, the Customs and Border Patrol actually broke through your property, essentially, to cut one of the locks on your gate and replaced it with one of their own? Did Do I understand that correctly? Did that really happen? Yes, and actually it's something that happens fairly regularly, that we come to work and our gates are off the hinges or our locks been cut off and the property is secured by Border Patrol. And so we put up cameras. Uh, initially, we put out cameras to document the wildlife, the two, the four-legged creatures that were on the property, <laughs> right. and instead started getting interesting video of two-legged creatures, Border Patrol agents especially, um, you know, uh, uh, taking liberties on our land. And and this, and that... Uh, it kind of blows me away, to be frank. But uh, this uh, one of these new locks, as I understand it, kept you actually from accessing your own property on your own uh, National Butterfly Center. It keeps us out for fifteen or twenty minutes, and then someone on my staff retrieves the bolt cutters after they've obtained permission from me to go and cut Border Patrol's lock off the gate. Had, had, and I think what I think what most people in America do not understand is that uh, by virtue of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, Border Patrol has the authority for warrantless entry to all private property within 25 miles of any U.S. border. And it's supposed to be for the purpose of patrol, mm -hmm. which they do on our property, but they also have planted motion sensors and installed video cameras 
and the dirt box audio surveillance, and they put a raid tower next to us, and they they drag tires around to, you know, be able to detect footprints after the fact. Uh, so there's a whole lot that goes on down here uh, that that the rest of America is not aware of. Mm-hmm. We do not enjoy the same full rights and protections under the Constitution that the rest of America does, and. You know, largely that is at the hands of Border Patrol. The, it's it's amazing to me. Are are you arguing that the uh, the 1957 uh, Immigration Act, uh, while it would allow them to come in and onto your property, it does not allow them to do things like cut your locks and and actually damage your property? Correct, and those are some of the things in our lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And our lawsuit was filed in December of 2017 Mm -hmm. as the result of the government's actions on our property in July of 2017, more than nine months before a congressional vote Mm. or any funding appropriation for border wall. But on July 20th of 2017, I encountered contractors sent by the government on our property, and they were cutting down trees, mowing down brush, and widening a road on our private property in preparation for the border wall. Before the uh, the uh, the government, before Congress had even approved those uh, 33 miles that we were originally talking about. Correct. Nine months before the March Consolidated Appropriations Act was passed in 2018. Setting aside for a moment the constitutional issues here, uh, you you had initially filed that suit, as you said, back in 2017. You uh, talked about the violations of the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. Uh, but then there's also the National Environmental Policy Act and the Endangered Species Act, uh, which the National Butterfly Center is arguing is being violated here. Uh, since then, I understand the uh, Department of Homeland Security has uh, just simply waived environmental statutes? Ha- have they performed any actual environmental impact studies before doing so? Or are they simply allowed to, to waive those as well if they wish? And uh, under what legal authority are they able to do that, if so? Well, they have not performed any of those uh, surveys in any meaningful way. They have waived 28 laws, including the Solid Waste Disposal Act, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, and the Native American Religious Freedom Act. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. a president who who touts religious freedom and then has the administration waive religious freedom protections for a group of Americans, a group of our Native Americans, Mm -hmm. for this project. So the government is now not obligated to abide by any of these laws, 28 of them, as they no longer exist for our protection in Hidalgo County, Texas. As I understand it, the uh, the National Butterfly Center has been located there for uh, for 17 years, not quite as long as the 150 or so years that the uh, La Lomita Mission has uh, has been there. But 
How would the uh, the government's plans to to build a wall, I guess, between your building and and the river itself? How would that affect the actual mission, if you will, of of your center? Well, we are a habitat restoration project in an area of North America that is the most biologically diverse. We have 11 biologically distinct ecosystems here, each with unique flora and fauna. We're a small part of that. But the building of the border wall requires that the government come in and seize five acres of land from us for the wall and their enforcement zone. So that's taking five acres just on our little piece of property, never mind the whole rest of the conservation corridor, which they are building wall through. Mm. It eliminates that habitat. And butterflies, just as one example, are intimately tied to plant species. Each butterfly species has one or two plants that they depend on for their caterpillars to consume and complete their life cycle. If you eliminate that plant from the landscape, you eliminate the butterfly. And in addition to eliminating habitat, they're planning to put in Blitzkrieg all-night bright lighting. Yes. Every 150 feet on the wall, that will disrupt wildlife as well as the plant life cycles. Mm Mm-hmm. And that will lead to greater environmental damage. And they're building the wall not on the U.S. border here. They're building it over two miles inland in some places, which means that... So what we're getting here is an 18-foot vertical concrete slab with 18-foot tall steel bollards on top. We're getting a 36-foot tall steel and concrete wall that is going to cleave up to two miles of America off and put it in this no-man's land. And we are not a valley in the geographical sense. We are an alluvial delta. Mm -hmm. So all of the land now between the river and the wall, where wildlife is now relegated and trapped, all of that wildlife is now sentenced to death. All of the terrestrial wildlife is sentenced to death when the Rio Grande River floods next. Because there's no place to go in the event of a flood, because now it's all held in by this uh, by this concrete wall? Correct. That's disturbing. Uh, you know, and, and I when I had initially heard about this story, because uh, we, 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 we cover these issues on our, uh, on our Green News report, uh, and my partner Desi Doyen had talked about uh, the National Butterfly Refuge down in Texas that was going to be in trouble. Of course, the first thing that I thought of was, well, uh, you know, butterflies, they can just fly over the wall. They won't be affected. But in fact, that's not actually the case when it comes to, uh, obviously, the effect on their habitat. And as you note at your uh, uh, website, nationalbutterflycenter.org, uh, this will affect other species. For example, the, am I saying this right? The ferruginous pygmy owl? Ferruginous? Ferruginous. Uh, ferruginous. Pygmy owl. Okay. And, you know, there are other birds like uh-huh. wild turkeys and um, parakis, which are part of the nightjar family, other birds that are ground nesters and low flyers. Uh, you know, and there are butterflies that are that way too. The the South Texas satyr, 
is a woodland butterfly. Mm -hmm. It lives in the woods and woodland edges. It's colored, you know, brown. It looks like leaf litter, like debris, and it has this flight pattern that is low and skipping along the ground because that's where it finds its host plant and that's where it finds its camouflage. So when they clear all of the habitat for Border Patrol's enforcement zone and all-weather road mm -hmm. that's going to go in south of the border wall, they're eliminating woodlands. And therefore, there will be no woodland edge. And this butterfly that, that relies on that habitat and has this low, you know, programmed flight pattern mm -hmm. is never going to go 18 foot up in the air to get over this concrete embankment mm -hmm. and then fit through the steel slats on the artistically designed <laughs> prison yard looking wall. It's it's going to be beautiful, Mariana, if you haven't heard. It's a beautiful, beautiful wall. Uh, uh. But the uh, ferruginous, if I'm saying it right, pygmy owl may not like it. Uh, it that uh, It's native to the area. It only flies about six feet into the air. So uh, good luck getting over that beautiful artistic yep. wall. Uh, and this all comes, uh, Mariana, at a, at a time when I understand many species of, of butterflies, such as monarchs, are facing a crisis in no small part related to global warming and the use of pesticides. I mean... This seems like a very bad time to um, essentially bulldoze the National Butterfly Center. You would think, as well as the Lower Rio Grande Valley Wildlife Conservation Corridor. Mm -hmm. um, we are one section of that corridor. It is named for the North American Butterfly Association. It contains not only our property, but Benson Rio Grande Valley State Park and two federal refuge tracks. And the heavy equipment is already desiccating the habitat on those National Wildlife Refuge tracks as we speak. They started rolling the heavy equipment in the night of the Super Bowl mm. when they thought nobody would notice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So, Mariana, is there is there a crisis, as Trump likes to call it, uh, or, or a national emergency, as he may declare in the area, as you see it, that needs to be dealt with at least by some sort of barrier of, uh, of some type? How, how are you and the community in general responding to, to all of this you know, national attention and these claims by national politicians and cable news talking heads that apparently, I understand, Mariana, you're area is a drug-infested, violence-ridden uh, center of human trafficking and rape that is somehow destroying the country. Uh, is that true? It is not true. And if it were, my husband and I and our six children would not live here, and I would not report to work every day on the banks of the Rio Grande River. I think one thing people should understand is that by the government's own admission, most of all that traffic occurs through legal ports of entry. And our former county sheriff, Lupe Trevino, who was just released from federal prison, was one of the biggest aides to those human and drug traffickers. Mm. His son, Jonathan Trevino, is still in federal prison because law enforcement, unfortunately, is often complicit in mm. aiding and abetting all of that trafficking. There's a phrase that 
I've known my entire life called plata o plomo, and that means silver or lead. So the drug traffickers, the human traffickers, the bad hombres, they have no reason to try to ferry people across the Rio Grande River and contend with alligators when they can blackmail or bribe Mm. agents at the bridge or at the gate of the new border wall Mm. or on our highways and checkpoints and use our own law enforcement and others to get all of this into the country. There's another aspect of this, Mariana, that uh, bothers the hell out of me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember when uh, Republicans and Fox News and guys like Sean Hannity, all of whom are now demanding this wall, I can remember when those same folks were infuriated by the idea of eminent domain, at least when there was a Democrat in the White House. Has the federal government now begun officially eminent domain proceedings uh, that, that, that I believe would be required in order to build an actual wall on privately owned property like the, uh, like the Butterfly Center? Yes, they have begun them. Last Monday, we met with the government's appraisers for uh, that very discussion. Mm. Uh, and some of our neighbors have already received the ironically named offer to sell letter from the Justice Department. Uh, meaning they have the uh, there's an offer to sell their property. And if they don't, then they'll just simply be removed, essentially. Correct. And they will seize the land prior to the adjudication of any issues by virtue of a Depression-era law called Quick Take. Do you expect that you will also get a uh, similar offer to sell, as it's described? Um, Absolutely. Um, Unless there is some sort of stay of uh, execution or some clawback in this uh, upcoming um, appropriations bill, we fully expect that we will receive a written letter from the Justice Department with a dollar figure. I fully expect that the NABA Board of Directors will reject that, and then uh, the Department of Justice will take us to court within a matter of uh, days or weeks, and uh, the federal judge will simply hand our land over to them. I understand that there were, uh, at least last week, I don't know if this is still ongoing, but that there were uh, protests uh, by Native American groups, First Nations groups down there. Uh, is, is that protest continuing? Do you expect it to continue? Uh, it, will this come down to a matter of uh, physically preventing uh, this heavy machinery in the federal government from taking your property and the property of the butterflies who live there? We are preparing for that. We hope it doesn't come to it, but... Um, We have met with law enforcement officials in the city of Mission. We have met with uh, environmental groups that are willing to come and make a stand, as well as those First Nations, as you mentioned. We have sought legal advice and representation from the ACLU in the event that we do have, um, you know, peaceful protests or, or worse, you know, When President Trump visited here a few weeks ago, the people who don't want a wall and object to the lies that are being told about our community marched in demonstration. But 
the people who want the wall and support the president's agenda also showed up. And so conflict or property damage or terrorist acts by those who support this agenda are actually what we're more concerned about. Mm. Uh, Mariana, before I let you go, uh, what can we expect uh, immediately, I guess, next in this fight? And more importantly, is there any way that listeners uh, can can support your efforts down there? I'll point folks, of course, to nationalbutterflycenter.org and to your Twitter feed, which is Nat Butterflies. Uh, but, uh, but but what can listeners do in, in support of your efforts down there, both for the butterflies and uh, opposing this wall? Well, for us, for our legal expenses and all of the action that we may be undertaking, we do have a GoFundMe uh, campaign, and it is simply titled Protect the National Butterfly Center. And if you choose to donate there or to contribute by joining the National Butterfly Center, you get a whole bunch of benefits, such as a reciprocal admission to about 400 other botanical gardens and zoos across the United States. We need support. We need people sharing our story. We need people calling their uh, U.S. representatives and their senators, especially as we face another government shutdown, this budget battle, and the prospect of the president declaring a state of emergency to build this abomination. Mariana Trevino-Wright is the executive director of the National Butterfly Center in Mission, Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley at the border with Mexico. The National Butterfly Center is a project of the North American Butterfly Association, a nonprofit dedicated to the conservation and study of wild butterflies now caught in the middle of uh, Donald Trump's and this nation's uh, mess on the southern border. Mariana, really appreciate you joining us today. Please stay in touch as this moves forward. Uh, we'd like to uh, join you in, in helping to get that story out. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you. Okay, we'll come back, uh, take a quick break here, and come back with a few more uh, news items that are breaking this afternoon. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. See the dog and butterfly Up in the air we like to fly Yeah. The dog and butterfly Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog. 
Mariana.com. Uh, she was great, Desi Doyen. Yes. Mariana Trevino, right? Yes, and that's some okay. devastating news that she had to deliver. I, I don't envy them the position that they are in. No, and it's it's actually kind of scary knowing yeah. that uh, at night, you know, it doesn't sound like she's afraid of people crossing the border. It sounds like she's afraid of concerned about uh, U.S. federal agents and what they are doing on their property in the middle of the night. Yeah, it sounds remarkably like a prison that they're being put into. Well, it's ironic that they have a gate. They have their own wall, if you will. And it keeps getting broken into, apparently, by uh, U.S. officials who break in, cut the locks, and put their own up there. Yeah, it's astounding, but that's where we are. That's where we are. We're going to change the name of the show, too. That's where we are with Brad and Desi. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, here's where else we are. Uh, Less than two years into a tenure marked by five major hurricanes, multiple lethal wildfires, and a tense relationship with his boss— Federal Emergency Management Agency Administrator William Brock Long resigned suddenly on Wednesday, quote, to go home to my family. As he put in an official state, as he put it in an official statement released by the agency, Peter Gaynor, who has served as Long's deputy, will assume acting administrator duties at FEMA. Uh, Long said, quote, this is one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make. This in a long farewell letter that was emailed this afternoon at 3.12 p.m. to FEMA staff. Nobody saw this coming. Um, Now, I should say uh, Brock Long is one of the uh, less terrible officials in the Trump administration. Is that fair to say? That is not only fair, that is accurate. He was uh, actually praised by former FEMA administrators for being a professional who knew what he was doing. Yeah, And he was said to be uh, liked by uh, other FEMA staff and so forth. Nonetheless, I guess that's why he didn't get along well with his boss, Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. Um, Back in uh, September, he was uh, clashing with her when Nielsen appeared intent on forcing him out of his job in the middle of hurricane season, just as Hurricane Florence had begun slamming into the Carolinas last year. It was a bitter feud that intensified as an internal investigation became public. Apparently, the IG for Homeland Security had looked into Long's use of government vehicles to travel between Washington and his home in North Carolina. And a lot of money was apparently spent on that because um, the the cars, the government vehicles that he used uh, have a bunch of equipment that is supposed to keep him in contact at all times with the federal government. Um, But uh, reportedly, that is not the reason why he stepped down. Reportedly, he just wanted to be done, wanted to get out, wanted to go home and be with his family instead. Um, In the middle of the storm last year, Long had told colleagues at FEMA that he was on the verge of quitting, according to Washington Post. Nonetheless, he was very popular in the agency. He stayed on uh, throughout until Wednesday when he surprised colleagues with his decision to leave. Long had many years of experience in emergency management, begging the question as to how he possibly got this job (laughs) in this administration. So true. He uh, easily won. Uh, Senate confirmation when he was nominated to FEMA two years ago. Uh, He was immediately plunged into crises 
when uh, Hurricane Harvey slammed into Texas and dropped multiple feet of rain, flooding Houston, killing dozens of people. That was then quickly followed by Hurricanes Irma and Maria and controversy over the administration's response to the latter's devastation in Puerto Rico, which led to a death toll of nearly 3,000. And then this past year... Uh, saw two more epic hurricanes, Florence and Michael, and fatal wildfires in California. But this is the part of his farewell note to uh, fellow FEMA workers, which kind of makes me crazy, and maybe you have a thought about, Des. Uh, He wrote, quote, No one could have predicted the challenges Uh, we would face over the past two years. Yeah. Sorry, Brock Long, that is not true. The scientists have been predicting this for years, and for us to not be prepared is criminal. And to claim we nobody predicted this, uh, you know, uh, who could have known? Everyone knew. Uh, so, yes, this was all completely predictable. Desi Doyne, you have been yourself predicting it for years and years and years on the Green News Report. If only Brock Long listened to that. Yeah, and by the way, this is the stuff that the Green New Deal is supposed to begin addressing. Uh, all right, we got to get out. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, and of course to my guest today, Mariana Trevino Wright of the National Butterfly Center, and to you for spending a portion of your day with Desi and me. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Always good to hear from you. You can find, and I hope you will, find, follow, and share us uh, across the universe on the Twitters and the Facebooks where you will find me simply as the Brad Blog. Please say hello. I read all of the tweets and the Facebook shares and everything else. Uh, And as ever, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us on your public airwaves. We would not be here if it wasn't for you. Those of you who have stopped at bradblog.com slash donate uh, for a one-time donation or a, a recurring monthly donation of any amount you like. It is all appreciated. It is all very much needed so that we can continue to avoid corporate and political support on your broadcast. That's why we call it your broadcast. All right, that is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs> <laughs>